Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out Out Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is Chris O'Toole. <laughs> that's a very punk intro. Nice. Thanks, buddy. Well, that's like, I'm, I, uh, I'm thinking of starting a band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another band? Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Try it out. See what it's like. And then uh, maybe stick with it. Maybe, maybe stick with this thing. But that'll be my singing <laughs> voice now. I would uh, I would be very into hearing a record of you sing like that the entire time. Would be great. <laughs> well, that's one sold. Uh, it's kind of like uh, it's like you know when you hear like like children or like like toddlers or babies kind of. It's that's the uh, cadence is very impressive. Well, you got to remember who I hang out with most of the time. <laughs> sure enough, but you know my biggest musical maybe... influences now are under the age of ten. Nice. All of them, all three of them. <laughs> I think that's what they mean by like primitive punk, though. Is yeah. now you're really channeling it properly. Well, like I don't know if you've ever heard uh, "My Old Man's a Ginger" by Gacy and the Boys, my <laughs> yes. very offensive uh, uh, yep. pseudo punk in character song that I put on the uh, uh, David Town comp. But I played every instrument on that goddamn song. So if you want to hear a real primitive punk record, you better sign this guy. The other funny part about that, do we want to get into some like some like deep deep uh whatever you want to say here, like foot footnote footnote material and what you just mentioned? What's the footnote footnote material? The footnote footnote on that is that was your initial proposed uh band name for Burgenfield Four. For for Burgenfield Four, correct. That's right. Which which you then like you're saying utilized on the what is it called again? The fake comp? What is David's it? Davidstown. David's Town Comp, released yeah. by Fucked Up Record Store Day, what, like 2010, maybe? Nine? I or think, earlier? Yeah, I think Actually, earlier, let's look this nine. up. Let's look this up. We're going to go to the resource. We're going to see what year it was released. How embarrassing that I don't... <laughs> that I have to go to the resource <laughs> to check out the name. To be fair, for your own band, i.e. Fucked Up, I'm not surprised in the least <laughs> that you're not sure. Yeah. Because there are a lot of records. A lot of goddamn uh, records, unfortunately. So let's see here. 76 entries, by the way, just so you just, – just to throw that out there. Uh, I can't even find the bloody thing. Where is it? Uh, is, oh, is Davidstown. It it's like the third L. It's, it's on uh, LPs. It is under their main LP. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, David's plan. A lot of Davids going on in your... A lot of Davids. Discography, oh, by the way. It's a cheap-ass record now. I was going to mention, too... for so much money, but now it's... Risedale, Risedale, Risedale Garden City, by the way, is a great late fucked-up single for people who don't, don't know. Is you that the Jonah know. song that Jonah wrote? It's just a great single. I believe so, if I remember correctly. But I just remember liking it. I saw it flip past it the other day in my collection. I was like, yep, that's sick. It also features the. Uh, it's there. It's uh, 2011. 2011. See, I wasn't that far off. I said 2010. Yeah, it's got um, oh. it's got uh, Danko Jones on it. It's yep. got um, uh, Wesley from the band Let's Wrestle. Uh, Great band, by the way. That first LP is incredible. By that band, and that first single that was like a CD EP is fucking amazing. I've tried again footnote 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 i've tried to buy that let's wrestle lp off jonah probably near 10 times every single time i see him and he's like lukewarm on things i'm like hey you want to sell that nope yeah no he never will sell that i cannot prize it oh no i found it from his uh from his lovely can italian 
expatriate British hands, however you want to say it. No, um, it's got it's got yeah. Then there's Gacy and the Boys, and then yeah. it's got Sandy singing on it, and then it's got Ben singing on it, and then it goes and it's got our homies Dan Romano singing on it. Which one? Which song is that? I don't know. Oh yeah, okay, the wavy or yeah. And then see, I I knew of the that he was on the. Whatever the David's plan or whatever the hell the, the Christmas one or whatever yeah. the, the phone calls I knew they were on that one yeah or he was yeah I didn't know he was on a on a vocal track on this yeah Neat. yeah and then very cool it also features uh um uh, uh Simone Schmidt from uh Fiverr A C Newman uh the the mighty yep. A C Newman new pornographers yeah yeah and then uh, C K and then uh, Jonah. On vocals on the weird fake uh, German, <laughs> and uh, then Dylan from Cloud Nothings also on that record. Nice, another I, decent. I, I, pick. I, that's a very proud comp for me. You know, it like, is. So considering that came out of me just talking shit in an interview with Pitchfork, that's like you know one of my creative um, crowning achievements. I think. Now this idea was cool. Even when it came out, I remember being really excited about it to hear uh. it. And uh, I, I think the Animal Man song, Do You Feed the Curry song, which also I believe Sandy did the video for? Yes, or Sandy is in. did, yeah. I think she did. Anyway, it's excellent as well. Great. Dude, what about Porcelain on Porcelain with Danko Jones? And it's like course, a hardaway song. That's the song of the comp for me but yeah. because it's sport-themed. So, of course, yeah. <laughs> I like, though, that in the style on the resource, it lists it as Britpop punk. <laughs> I know. Nice. I know. There you uh, go. There you go. It's fake British. Not a single British person is on that record. <laughs> well, there we go. So we've just broke down the Davidstown comp from 2011. There you go. That so, was an ego trip for me. That no, it's great. great. Uh, it oh, really is. That was an affirmation. Yeah. Woo. It looks it looks <laughs> great too, by the way. I don't know who did the layout for that, but they did a good job. Very yeah. cool. No, it was – I think that's Sandy. I think Sandy is definitely the person that deserves the, all the credit in the world for uh, layout jonah and sandy it says so yeah. yeah pops there we go yeah i wanted to look uh slightly different i remember saying and then but they did this and i was like nope that looks fucking amazing yeah and uh yeah sandy is sandy is of course very uh instrumental to fucked up for so many reasons but the stuff that she does that people don't see is perhaps some of the most important stuff, like the visual components of it too, and just like things like that. It's just like a lot falls on Sandy's shoulders. Nice. Well, yeah. she's done a great job. There you go. There you go. So now we can move on to talking about news. Chris, is there any news we should be getting to right now? Well, <laughs> it depends where you want to go with this. We talked before her about the the sort of sensationalized news, but you did send an item. I don't know if that's what you want to get into now, about the record price thing or what have you. But uh, yeah, let's do, let's do that. Okay. Well, what did you send? No, I don't you, want to get. You, into, I didn't want to talk about uh, Kanye West necessarily. I think people have tried. <laughs> that's what I mean. Just yeah, okay, about well, enough. No, let's keep this. Yeah. <laughs> let's keep this to a realm of conversation that I think mm-hmm. we can engage in in a very yeah. constructive way. Which well, is, I just didn't know if your secret punk uh, um, theory oh, yeah, is still dude. in play. That's what I mean. Well, it's going to get real sketchy if the secret punk stuff keeps going <laughs> on. Like I think the iconography is going to go real. <laughs> Real uh, uh, right of center. Yes, we'll we'll hear what samples are on the new record. Then yeah, we'll, yeah, definitely. We'll, 
we'll deliberate. Yeah, it's uh, hail the new dawn of America might be <laughs> a track oh, title boy. potentially. Not touching that one, but yeah, go on. All right, let's go on to uh, some uh, much more positive things to talk about. Yeah, which is actually a huge bummer thing for me to feel to talk about, which is the incredible inflation of records, which has befallen yep. kind of punk and hardcore in the last few years. And this is like, you know, something that's not new. I think the, the idea that this is a bubble and will one day burst has always been there. And I think everyone's kind of thought they were at peaks at different times. Like I remember when misfit singles were like hundreds of dollars on the walls of rotate this Jill. He's uh, misfits collection, which was fucking ridiculous. And it was hundreds of dollars. And it was like you know, completely unaffordable to me. Yeah. As it would probably be today if it was just hundreds of dollars too, to be fair. Um, yeah. But it's amazing to see that that stuff was now probably thousands of dollars. Several thousands of dollars in some cases with those records. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem to stop. And that, uh, apparently, Chris, does not just end with Misfits records. I know, yes. And you sent... A what is it? Oh, this was actually the link from. It's on. Oh, they do their the the resource does their like whatever every couple months or a few months their most expensive records. Gotcha. Yeah, and the most expensive record on in the number six position, uh, is not six three three. Sorry, the three position. Sorry. Yeah, I got the the price confused. Yeah, uh, is the uh, incredible, but don't know what this price. Uh, I'll be buying it. Uh, Gorilla Biscuit 7-inch on cream yellow vinyl, which once again looks really cool, especially with the purple sleeve. Uh, but it is priced at how much, Chris? Well, in U.S. dollars, it's listed here at 6144 which to me is absolutely insane. Insane. Um, that is an amazing record. But like... What would be the records that would be worth more than that at this point? I'm thinking the ones I've seen, I've looked up these things before when the resources put them out, and I remember Minor Threat records, I believe, were more expensive than that or very near. I don't know. No, I don't think six grand. No, I think they were. It was like crazy versions of like, oh, like some it was, of the rare. Yeah, yeah like maybe the, like that fat, sorry, fat, uh, Rich uh, from Radio Raheem. And, yeah. uh, and, and from, uh, parts of known records has the most amazing cover version of that where it's an acetate sleeve. Yeah. I think it was in a book, right? Yeah. I've only ever heard the legend I've never seen, or you've mentioned to me, I don't know exactly what it is or where it's featured, it's but It's a yeah. legit pocket sleeve made out of an acetate with the minor threat seven inch, which we talked to, uh, Ian about on the fabled, Chris, yeah. Damien, Ian, <laughs> Brodam. Yeah. yeah. Also alternate, alternatively known as very late in Philadelphia <laughs> for the yes. show. Yeah, we're going to be <laughs> fucking late. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, one of the greatest afternoons of our, uh, well, certainly my life. I don't know about yours. Oh, but. God, yeah. Oh, fucking, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I can actually, if I, if I wanted to, if I wanted to, I have done uh, a list of my favorite days when I'm in the van on tour and you got nothing to do. 
you think of like a lot of things to just occupy your mind. And one day I remember just like thinking in my head, like what are my favorite days that I can remember? And I got a, I got a pretty strong top 10 list. Oh, for sure. You know, my kids being born. Yeah. You know, I would hope. Yeah. This day in England that I saw John Cleese walk down the street. And, <laughs> uh, I, I found, uh, I got a, a, a free pair of shoes and I found, uh, <laughs> the crisis LP for super cheap. Nice. In a record store, and then we played uh, a really fun show, and I was like, <laughs> and I had r- pretty good weed, which is not always <laughs> the case in England. I'm like, damn, it was a good day. <laughs> yeah, you were ticking off the boxes that day. Yeah, ticking off the boxes, Chris. Nice. Um, but that that day with Ian, that tops that day, and there was no weed. <laughs> very true there wasn't you're, you're i can attest to that that's correct yeah there's no weed on the entire tour we were uh, to be fair we've talked about this and and dare i say humble bragged about this before on the show many times of course it's part of the canon chris <laughs> it like... is it is part of the canon and and we are fully in the the right to do so because it was remarkable but I, I just want to also shout out that dc was extremely welcoming to us as a whole yeah so the so the whole like kind of 48 hours that we were there it really did bizarrely feel in a certain way like the red carpet was rolled out for us in a you know mysterious way not that we were some vips it was just people were super nice and very very hospitable and very very um like we we hung out with well you you were the one who was able to occupy the conversation more than me but um yeah, we a lot of people were very, very nice to us and very, very, you know, whatever. The homie welcoming. Jason, one of the yeah, best always, guests yep. ever on the history of the show, yep. Yep. hooked it up. You know, we got to yep. to do a lot of fun stuff. We ate well. We uh, st- slept well. Totally. You know, got to meet legends, like legends, you know. Like yeah. that's, that's why we should do, when both you and I can eventually figure it out, get back in the van yeah, oh, yeah, go around and do another one of these tours because, you know, it might not have been the highest paying gig of either of our lives. <laughs> no, yeah, by any stretch. <laughs> but at the same time, it was one of the most fun. No, it was. It was great. It was. Uh, speaking of too, relating to what we sort of stumbled upon this aside from, which is the escalating value of records and sort of that crazy inflation existing i remember having or more specifically you but we were discussing the um well at i believe it was the black cat right it was the venue if i'm yeah. not mistaken um and you and dante or whatever dante was talking about djing at the black cat and because i guess they dj every whatever i don't know what how often the nights are but and he said he still djs his original records which mm-hmm in the conversation was insane because we were all discussing how like he was saying he was playing like basically all the original discord records if he ever spun them he's playing original records which he was just getting like not flack but he was like people he was blowing people's minds when they would like friends would come up and be like whoa like and he's uh you know he, he his consideration for it is just that you know they're his records and he plays them it's not yeah. a pretension which you know, again, it's hard to do in like 2018 when you see something like that auction. But um, oh yeah, but I DJ with my records too. Like I, I do DJ, too, but I bring, bring I'm my own needles. But. Yeah, I'm very I'm very careful, but like I don't really bring records when I DJ ever if I'm ever to be that person, which I've not been. But um, 
it's still just kind of remarkable. It's, it's too bad that that's the state of things, though. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what I mean? That yeah. brings us to our first email, Chris. Yeah, yeah. So what uh, the emails we have here. So The first what, email, want... let's do the one, the, the one of the great emails we've ever received. Okay. Well, there's there's two, and they piggyback. So I'm going to do two, but the, I know what you're talking about. The second, like the, the okay. one you're referring to, we'll do second. Okay. Because I just thought it touches on. Anyway, so uh, a listener, Dini, a local uh, – I believe it's the Dini that uh, I know we know from the Toronto area. Great guy. Um, he writes in, and he sent a link um, to last episode we were discussing uh, Poison Idea record collectors uh, are pretentious assholes, the uh, record, and the cover of it we went very in-depth on, which if you're a punk, you're probably very familiar. And we were just saying we wish that there was, or I, you know, collectively we were saying we wish someone had itemized what's actually on the cover because it's, you know, we were pulling things out. We didn't realize we're on there as we were talking about it, you know, scanning the photos on the resource. So he sent a link, um, which is on rateyourmusic.com, which we will get, uh, perhaps Tristan to post on the Facebook or what have you, but some beautiful human being out there has actually done the work of itemizing, uh, all of the records that are on there. Apparently again, to vet this, I haven't, you know, gone through with a fine-tooth comb to make sure they're all there, but it's pretty thorough, and the ones that I'm seeing, yeah, are on, are in fact on there. So uh, I don't know how you want to deal with this at first. Do you want to try and go through this really quick, or do you want to go on to the next email and then piggyback on everything, Dane? Uh, why don't we go uh, – yeah, why don't go through that one quick? Okay, so – it's weird too because I'm just noticing now he sent this link, but the the other email that we're referring to, there's another link of someone who's also done. So there's two links uh, out two, there. Two people have done it. Yeah, I'm sure there's also probably been a few others over yeah. the years too. So either way, um, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure we're missing some, but so um, I sent you the link to the one, Dame. So I don't know if you want to touch on this with me or how do you want to go. Like why record, I record? Cl- I'm going to click on the one, and why don't you click on the other one and see if they if if uh, we all match up? Well, it's definitely different. Oh. I got oh maybe not. How many records are on yours? I'm trying to see the total amount, but it looks to be the same because the the running order on the first. No, it's not the same. Well, the records are here. Yeah, it's slightly different. I'm sure they're all here, just in a different order. So we'll, we'll just There's do the 62 one. There's like, 62 on one on the one I'm looking at on the Cogs. Okay. Yeah. So one's on Discogs, one's on Rate Your Music. What we're going to do then right now is we're going to use the resources one and just collectively do it, Dame. Because I think that's easier than jumping back and forth. Okay. So you want to begin here with the list, or how do you want to do? This? Why don't we go through it on the second email? Yeah, so we're going to hop over. Basically, as we're itemizing it, what we've learned is that another listener, which I just have to find the email here, Scott Holston, this is the this lovely human being's name, and yes. uh, he wrote on the back of, of the last one we received, like I mentioned, and uh, mentions here he's really curious of the value and that he made a spreadsheet with median and high prices uh, from the resource, and he had to look elsewhere for some of the other records that weren't uh, being shown or what have you, and he seems to have collected a very very thorough <laughs> sent us a separate spreadsheet uh, of, of all of his hard work, and it is truly incredible. It's incredible. He has he has done it all. This is we often like you know whatever shout out the people who write in or listen 
for you know the things they've sent to us and what have you i mean this is definitely one of the top ones we've ever got so where do you want to begin with this one because we can tell them the we should go through the records one by one now okay so Uh, 63 yeah so we've done the ad adverts agent orange let's do these again let's go okay um so uh number one is the adverts yeah chord wonder yeah. Quick step and it's medium prices uh thirty seven dollars and forty two cents. Just under forty, yeah. But the high price is sixty one dollars and twenty nine cents. Now I think like you know, normally I would say, you know, you go with the medium price, but now things tend to be on the high price side of things. Yeah. It's again, yeah, as we were discussing, I mean it's a different it's difficult to buy <laughs> hitter records these days, I find. Because yeah. uh you're never getting a deal from my experience anyway. Yeah. But. And then there's Agent Orange, of course, with your mother sucks cocks in hell, <laughs> which is $5, $547.96 the medium and 1000 bucks. Yep. is the high. Uh, Murder of uh, Little Towers uh, by Angelic Upstarts. I, you know what? Fuck, man. I should have tried to get this record when it was cheap. Because now it's $1,000.33. Yeah. Fuck. Antidote Thou Should Not Kill. Um, it's 16 Classic. on the high end. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just over a grand. Yeah. In the low. Yeah. Anti Nowhere League, Streets of London, you could get for the, which is even fucking crazy. This is now a $33 record. <laughs> yep. It's amazing because, like, it, it's not that long ago in the grand scheme of things, but I guess it is. <laughs> But I remember going to England for the first time, and that's like honestly a pound record. You'd find those yeah. in like kind of like, yeah, it was still hard to find, especially one in good condition, but you could find it for a pound. Yep. Uh, Avengers, We Are the One, which is $539.85. BGK, uh, White Male Dominance, which is pretty cheap. <laughs> Yeah, $80, $80 median, 150 high end, yeah. <laughs> this is the one I'm kicking myself over because I had a chance to buy this for $200 a couple, like like two years ago. Bad Religion, Bad Religion self-titled, 500 bucks, 1000 bucks on the high end. Yeah. Uh, Bag Survive, which is $218.37 on the high end. That would probably I like be that for you're the... doing the sense. <laughs> Go on. Uh, well, you know, I like how people do with that, but that's probably just because of the conversion. Yeah. Um. But that that record, I imagine that would be, or I wonder if this is ever sold. There's like two versions, right? There's that version that has the labels on the wrong side, and then it's taped over with uh, the correct t- song titles. You got me on this one. I don't know <laughs> the specifics of that record. <clears throat> um, Battalion of Saints, Fighting Boys is two two one and then Second Coming is sixty dollars and sixty six cents, according to someone. Yeah, uh, you know, Big Boys and the Dicks two hundred ten dollars in the high end. Nervous breakdown, a thousand bucks. It's amazing how many are how many records have broken that thousand dollar barrier. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I remember when I went to buy that uh, the negative approach test press years ago. Um, it was like over a thousand dollars. I traded records for it, so it's all good. But I, it was like amazing <laughs> at that point how few records were above that to me. Like I was like looking around, like being like, well, I could buy this record for all this money. Because I had traded all these records for a bunch of money, and instead of saving it and putting my kids' college fund and <laughs> yeah. stressful things, I decided to invest in hardcore. Um, hardcore lives. 
and, uh, <laughs> Unity and uh, Records. And uh, but I was like, you know, I could have bought. There were very few records that have, had broken that, you know, kind of price at that point. Like I think, you know, obviously Chunking, but that's always been kind of fucking crazy, sort of high watermark for record prices. But you know, Fixed Vengeance, Necro, Sex Drive. But now it's like, man, how many of we we're, we're we're only at B, Chris, and we've already come across five thousand dollars over five thousand dollars in records. Just, oh yeah, just over the thousand dollar record mark. Yeah. Records, I mean. Yeah. Um, there's also like uh Charles Manson, uh a couple copies of that, of course, which is four hundred bucks. Yeah, I like the by the way how thorough that is because there are two copies on the cover and yep. he's itemized two copies. Very astute. Nicely done. The very classily named The Child Molesters. Via <laughs> Lieben die. I don't even know. I'm I'm terrible with my German. Three hundred bucks. Yeah. Cockney Rejects, twenty six bucks. Like you know, there's still a stuff. cheap record. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe Hotwire My Heart's only a two hundred thirty dollars record. Like given how these other ones have inflated, that's been like yeah. that price since it came out. Like I would say that's one of those records that hasn't appreciated. Yeah, I think there are a few. Not since it came out, but since those. I was a kid. But it's also I don't know how many of each of these records there are, right? So yeah. that could be the factor. Yeah, there's also uh, the Damned. You know, which the Black Album, which I cannot believe is a $42 record now, even though it's fucking amazing. Yeah. So that's pretty expensive. Uh, Sonic Reducer, 150 bucks. <laughs> Insane. The cheapest record is the next one, the Banana Splits the, by the Dickies. But even Don the Dickies is like $25 on the high end, $14 on the, on the median. Yep. Ernest Edgelum Rebels, Doomsday Troops. One forty six seventy two, and then two eighteen thirty seven. Farts because the world stinks. Sixty bucks. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. But here's where it gets nutty. Yeah. At one point, you could have bought this for, uh, you know, nine hundred and twenty six dollars on the median price. <laughs> yep. Which means a lot of must have changed hands because I can't imagine there were that, you know, like that must've been one of the lower prices that things ever been for sale on Discogs. I don't remember that ever being below a thousand dollars since Discogs has been around. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but on the high end, $4,250. The most expensive record on the list. Yeah. Lexicon devil under a thousand bucks, but getting close eight sixty sixty six. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, GBR, GRB, sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, 69.76 on the median. Um, 112. I don't know. There's a couple, like, we could we could go through all these, but it would yeah. take a long time. But Misfits Cough Cool, $3,000. Yeah. It's the next big one. Yeah. Bullet, 1500 Uh All the Misfits are above five. Yeah. All of them are at least above five, and then, well, median are, but you're not going to get it for that these days. No, no. And uh, the one that I actually really surprised me how cheap it is, Quick in the Dead single. Yeah, that, I'm noticing now, I just realized this, that Necro's IQ32, is that expensive now? It's almost 480 Yeah. the high end? Yeah. That's crazy. I w- I'm, not, I'm not that shocked at that. Really? I'm just like, I have that. <laughs> I just don't know yeah. why I didn't buy that for near that. And I didn't 
certainly didn't buy for five bucks, but not that. Yeah, I didn't buy well, like no policy by SOA for nine hundred dollars. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. And the median is five twenty-five. Um, yeah. There's also United Mutation, two hundred and forty-two dollars and sixty cents. I'm glad that's appreciated. That record's fucking is amazing. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Teen Idols, thousand bucks, broke thousand dollar mark. Yep. Um, no minor threat records on that, eh? Yeah, but that that feeds into the. Yeah, oh, but what Teen Idols are on there. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, Teen Idols are on there, and SOA's on there. Yeah, true. But I guess the minor threat was the band they fucking hated. I guess. <laughs> um, yes, LA. Point being. Oh, okay. You're gonna do it. Yeah, do another one. Yeah. Uh, I'm yes, LA's not that expensive. Tooth and nail comps not that expensive, or the album comps are never that expensive. To be honest with you, um, seems like no. they're definitely low end. Yeah, um, but let's get to the let's get to the the nitty gritty. The 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 why we're all here. What would it cost for you to buy this album worth of records, Chris? Well, what do you want? You want both, or you want the overall high? Let's do the medium one first, buddy. <laughs> medium is fifteen grand, three hundred and eighty three dollars and eighty six cents. And on the, the high medium. end, the high end is twenty eight thousand one hundred and ninety and ninety one cents. So there you go. A down payment on a house. Oh yeah, easy. You know, like a, a, a nice house. In. That's the co- That's just the cover of that record. That's not all the records you would want. That's just that's the not even all the records on the cover. That's all the cover records that are visible on the cover. Oh, true. There's Fair even enough. More yeah. right. Yeah. It's like, and that's also like early on like they were talking about having a state children flexi you know like he was talking about having all this other crazy shit later on in their lives it's like wow there's some good deal of value in that pile of records yep so there you have it wow you could buy it's 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 funny because like you're you're constantly wondering like well is this it like you can't go more than this but then shit happens and it goes higher. I used to think that way and now I yeah, I'm never amazed anymore. I the only thing I've that's kind of well not a kind of a bummer is a, is a bummer is I've resigned myself to the fact that there's some records I just will not own. Oh god, yeah. So, and I'll that's the only an bummer. Antidote. I'll never own uh, a fucking Vix Vengeance. Yeah, well that one was always one I never thought I'd own, but there was there was other ones on the periphery that I used to think okay, well maybe, but it's just getting increasingly more and more and more like that it's just not going to happen. At the same time, too, in my head, I'm like, it's just there's an aspect of it that's just stupidity at that point. You know what I yeah. mean? If I'm going to throw away that much money, it's like, yeah, it's very, uh, very frustrating. But at the same time, I suppose if I'm looking at it from the perspective of certainly people like you and I, you know, these are historical artifacts that are fairly rare. So I do get it, but it is extremely uh whatever depressing <laughs> looking at that list speaking of which we didn't do digs this week and i got i got some good digs okay oh yeah you did that's right let's, yeah let's touch into that let's do that right digs. now okay speaking yeah. of pretentious record collecting assholes a, like let me just I. grab this <laughs> all right got it i this week have scratched a major want off my want list and a a speaking of artifacts, a turned out a punk artifact, if there ever was one, um, in my mind. 
and that is I finally tracked down a copy of the Patty Duke Syndrome Split. <laughs> yep. fe- featuring the uh, now world-famous Ryan Adams on vocals and guitar for his first band that he played those instruments in. Uh, or, But also featured Brian fucking Walsby. <laughs> True. From Wax Fame, from, you know... Uh, you know all this, all this awesome stuff. So Brian is on this, and Ryan is on this, and yeah, it's a cool ass record. It does look very cool too. You're to to elaborate here. It's the Patty Duke Syndrome split with Glamour Puss. Yes, and it's from '94. Blast O Platter Records released it, and it's yeah, it's a it's. On the on the resource, it's got a little bit of a value too. Nice. Oh yeah, it's a big, it's a it's a hard one to get because of this, uh, you know, Ryan Adams thing, which is cool. You know, don't get me wrong. I you know, I, I think it's cool that this has got this Ryan Adams connection. I'm, I, I like some Ryan Adams. I like Whiskey Town, but to me, the coolest thing about this <laughs> yeah. record is the fact that this is yet another link in the Brian Walsby being the most one of the most important drummers. <laughs> in yep. uh punk history or or and also ultimately i guess like alternative music history indie music history like rock music history like you know he turned down nirvana <laughs> true <laughs> check out that episode any everyone that has it yeah it's, it's a great one it's, it's truly is uh and uh yeah this was also the label that put out the first Ryan Adams band, which is the band uh, Blank Label, but I think he just played bass in that band. Oh, nice. You don't have that, do you, by chance? Yeah. Oh, you do? Nice. Yeah, I got it at the homie Bobby from uh, Vinyl Conflicts record store. Oh. Yes. And so uh, he uh, got, he had that when I was there. He wasn't there, but I got that when I went to his store. Yep, shout out. Shout out. He, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and then I got this. I got these records today at BMV. My friend Matt and who put me up one time when I was breaking up with uh, uh, someone, and I, you know, didn't want to hang out at the same place that they were living at for the next little while. Put me up. So Matt and Dan ran this place and and hooked me up with great records. So you know they saved my ass twice now, Chris. <laughs> nice. I also got the spaceship seven inch there. Which... That is very. Uh, yeah, I'm a uh, very whatever. Very. Uh jealous of that one too yeah the second one i was very stoked to find those two records believe me it was a uh happy day worth making my son late for school for <laughs> lauren uh, doesn't think so but <laughs> <laughs> amazing oh amazing <laughs> all right so what else is that it for your scores i think that's it right like uh yeah, I, that's all I've my that's all week. my scores unless you got i'm looking around my room to see no, if there's other ones. i didn't uh, you know what's funny though i did well i haven't scored anything in a, a couple weeks but uh one thing i did there was two things i wanted to shout out one was um it's kind of a, an obvious one for people that follow sort of new hardcore punk but um, the new Hank Wood and the Hammerheads LP, or 12-inch, however you want to consider it, because it's not, I guess, LP length, but it is physically on a 12-inch, um, is fantastic. Released by Toxic State, it is self-titled, and uh, I highly recommend it. That was one of the newer, new records I bought. 
Um, what else? I'm just peeking through some stuff here. Nothing too crazy. I got the Cynics Rock and Roll LP, which is That's sick. Cool. That's a good record. Yeah. And shout out to Dave Martin. Shout out to D Martin, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Nothing crazy for me. I haven't done much in a few weeks, but um, anyway, yeah, I meant to do that. I think last week when we did an episode because I was so vibing on that record, listening to it a lot. But since we're on that topic now, might as well have uh, shouted it out. So there we go. Yeah, yeah, and also I went to another new record store that's like, you know, um, I guess unfortunately for my family. Five minutes from my house. <laughs> okay. Called Invisible City Records. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've been, been there, right? Yeah, I have. Great. I have. Uh, I somehow was not able. Like I, I didn't, uh, didn't get anything when I went through. But I had to restrain. <laughs> they had plenty. I just was doing a quick browse. The day, yeah, when I was, yeah, I remember that was the day you went to New York. I first went in there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I got the uh, Tyro seven inch there. Nice. Um, which is a record that came out on SWP Records, uh, Silent W Productions, which is a label that put out the Dundas 7-inch, like a Canadian kind of punk record where the guy sounds just like Neil Young on vocals. It's pretty sick. <laughs> okay. Um, and then also got the Andrew uh, Klimek, uh 7-inch, which is the guy from X Blank X's solo 7-inch from 79. Nice. Yeah, they have, uh, I mean, you know, by no means are we partial to more stores than others, but it is a very new store in the area of which Damien lives. But it's interesting, the stuff they're doing. More specifically, they release their own, uh, whatever you want to say, reissues or what have you. What is it called? Um, I'll just look it up right now in the resource. I think it's Invisible City Editions, I believe, is their label itself, which does reissue stuff. Okay, and it's a lot of like, uh, for the most part, like um, you know, kind of strange psych and dance and and like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they did a uh, they've done a few records this year, all of which I find very interesting. But it's not nothing particularly punk in my opinion, but very very interesting for people like kind of left field, uh, sort of dance, sort of new wave centric stuff. So there you go. Yeah, it's 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 funny. There's, uh, you know, like no shortage of great record stores right now, too. No. Yeah. You know, I recently got uh, like a sick Joseph K single that I've been looking for at, at, I forget where I was. I don't know, maybe Sonic Boom? It was like the one version of it I didn't have, and it was there. And I was so stoked to find it. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, I guess we're done talking about records now. There's no more. Well, the one I guess we're relating to like the Poison Idea thing, I guess we should shout out too. I just thought about why not shout out while we do the new. There's a new record by a group called Fetish, which is a self-titled EP. Mm. Uh, seven inch, I believe. Quite, yeah. Well, it says EP. I'm assuming it's a seven inch. I don't have it yet. Been meaning to find it. But it features Slayer Hippie on uh, drums. Awesome. And it's released by Beach Impediment Records, which is a fantastic label. Shout out to uh, Mr. Schubert for doing an excellent job. And he also released recently a group called Witch Trial, a 12-inch of a demo. It's sort of like great crossover stuff. Very cool as well. And uh, can't go wrong. Check out that stuff. Awesome. And a rad dude. Yep. Uh, Totally rad. Friend of Robbie Brookside's. (laughs) <laughs> true yes <laughs> good point yeah <laughs> uh 
Um, but yeah, let's uh, any <clears throat> let's move on to the next email, I guess. Chris. Yeah, yeah. So email wise, we have. Let me just go through since we. Uh, so some a quick one here um, from our listener Brian just sent in a screen capture. Uh, speaking of which, either last week or the week before, the movie Airheads was mentioned by you and I because mm-hmm. someone was talking about. I don't know if they mentioned the no effects thing or whatever they mentioned, but um, it's a screen cap of no effects in the movie. Like, uh, um, I don't. It it seems to be. I can't. Like, I'm thinking it's a it's a record, if not maybe a CD. But it's a anyway, CD. it's it's a CD, it's, yeah. it's white trash, two heaves and a bean, and uh, it's Buscemi. It's a screenshot of Buscemi, like in the you know in the console of the radio station with that just kind of like prominently featured. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I think it's when he says, why don't you play more stuff like this? Why don't you ever play these guys on the radio? <clears throat> ah, okay, which is kind of funny because then there's, of course, their song from they, that album. Yeah, and I think they're, are they playing them on the radio at that point too? Is that hmm. what they've taken over, I think? Are they on the soundtrack? Maybe, I don't Let's know. The Airhead soundtrack, up. I don't think we've ever done this. <laughs> we haven't flogged that enough. <laughs> I like this though, Dude, I genuinely like this movie. There's a Chromex sticker in it, there's like, you know, someone else... Uh, that's why someone brought it up. Uh, there is no no effects song on the soundtrack. No, the soundtrack's is no not that as cool as you'd expect. No, um, but Degeneration is, as is Prong and uh, Ramones, Anthrax. I'm sure. Actually, I'm not. I am sure. Pardon me. That this is horrible era Anthrax. So ignore that. But anyway, yeah, yep. and the Lone Rangers, which is the fake band that is in Airheads, <laughs> the degenerated song, it is also on here, which is the cover. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, 90s classics like Candlebox as well. So, needless to say, this soundtrack is not essential. <laughs> yeah, no, not essential. Um, uh, but it does have, uh, it does have, um, uh, um, the Motorhead featuring Ice T. And the lead singer of Ugly Kid Joe doing a song, <laughs> Born to Race Hell. Yeah, and if that, you know, if that doesn't sound amazing, I don't know what does. Yeah, exactly. It's also uh, almost clocks in at five minutes in length, so I'm sure it's going to be incredible. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be the... Raging the entire time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it also has a song by Dig, Curious George Blues. Yeah, it's quite the... Anyway, no effects is not on the soundtrack. <laughs> no, no effects did not make the soundtrack. <laughs> Movies got way cooler music references than maybe the soundtrack does. Though yeah. it does have, you know, a member of Reagan Youth, or sorry, uh, a song of Reagan Youth, and a member of Heart Attack. Yes, exactly. There is uh, another uh, thing that you committed here to the email pile, which uh, I'm not sure if you wanted to discuss. Which you said it's a uh, an a photo from the from the Graham. Yes. And from Portia de Rossi. Is that who it's from? Portia de Rossi, yeah. And who is, I believe, some kind of celebrity, right? She was on... Uh, oh, that's right. Arrested Development. Pardon me. I yeah, didn't pick you, her up by her name. I just yeah, thought like, it, yeah. You know, she's, she's on yeah. something that's fucking incredible. Yeah. But I, Ally I, McBeal. <laughs> sure. So what what did you want to discuss about this other well, than the obvious? So if you want to describe obvious, it's it's a piece of art made by what's the name of the artist? Uh Christopher Wool. Christopher Wool is Wool. the name. Yeah. And it says fear. And ooh, yeah. ooh, does it say who sent this by the chance? 
Uh, I got it from you. You sent it internally. I don't see anything else, no, on it. I can't so, remember. Someone sent this in to me. Please, if you send this in to me, please send me a message so I can get yeah. proper credit for sending this in to yeah. the show. Uh, and Or maybe someone tagged me on Instagram. I think that's maybe that where I got it from. I don't know. Could be. Anyway, um, but it is of a piece of artwork that says fear in the style that is 100% the fear stencil logo. Yes, as seen on the Fear the Record, of course, as well as any other Fear logo, I guess. But, um, yeah, interesting. Interesting, because it could be just Fear done with a stencil. Yeah. You know, it's like that. that is a possibility, but it also could be a complete rip of the Fear logo, which is what it kind of looks like. Yeah. But it maybe it's a tribute to the Fear logo. I mean, it's a punk artist. Yeah, it could be. Looks like an homage to me, but yeah. I and again in this day and age, I just assume those kind of lifts or like you know little nods are probably what it came from. But um, I'm curious the uh, you know the how aware <laughs> uh, she is to what the reference is because she writes fear in the caps too, which makes me think she knows what fear the band is, but I don't know. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Well. She was dating, or I think, believe even married to Ellen DeGeneres for a while. Gotcha. And Ellen DeGeneres' brother played <laughs> in classic New Orleans punk power pop band, The Cold. Ah, so perhaps there is a little bit of connections there. Maybe Ellen's got those records. You know, I've always wondered, mm-hmm. like, was Ellen a punk? You know, if what I'm not? ever on that show, or if anyone I know ever gets on that show. You better believe they're going to be asking her about her bro. <laughs> nice. Um, do we want to move on to the next email? Uh, yeah, let's move on to the next email. All let's right. Let me talk about Ellen a little bit more because I'm totally <laughs> no. prepared to do that too. <laughs> um, we just have a clarification from Kel, our Norwegian correspondent, regarding flying crap. We discussed uh, – I don't know. It came up from the, the that Turbo Fatal Erection split record. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember what, anyway, we were saying it was kind of a one-sided record, but he was just writing about, uh, flying crap. And he says they're from, and again, Christian, Christian Sands, South Norway. They have one CD and, uh, one seven inch and not counting the split on fatal erection. Uh, anyway, he says that's their best release. They had quite the reputation for firing, off live ammunition at several shows. <laughs> wrong man for us to kind of dismiss. Definitely not a one-sided seven-inch. It's a two-sided affair because both bands are classic. <laughs> yep. So anyway, that was just a little uh, tidbit I thought was interesting based on what we discussed. Uh, there's another message here. Thanks, Cal, again, by the way. Always sending great stuff. Absolutely. Thank um, you. There's another uh, sort of combating your... Um, the most physical activity adjacent punk, whatever your classification is. Bring it on. For wrestling. Bring it's, it on uh, and watch you fall. They have a person uh, by the name of – oh, sorry. We had dis- – or you had discussed um, – anyway, a baseball player of some kind that a, that is a straight-edge baseball yeah, yeah. player. Yeah. And they say that this person is likely C.J. Wilson. That was it, C.J. Wilson. And they say that um, – sorry, this is uh, – well, it says Austin is the person who sent it. But anyway, um says they're friends with CM Punk and uh, uh, on social media is seen in photos and what have you. 
with uh, that. So there's another, there you go, challenging, well, not challenging, but showing that there are other. Uh, I, I brought him up before, and I'll give you yeah. him. I'll give you Scott Radinsky. But, like, legitimately, I can name, like, maybe a half a dozen punk bands that are fronted <laughs> by pro wrestlers. Yes. There's yeah. another uh, another email related to that as well from Eric L. writes in. And this is a, uh, I just want to see what they are. Two-time cycle, cyclocross U.S. national champion Stephen Hyde is also shouted out here. As he has, uh, he sent in screen caps, Eric has, of uh, this person listening to Void. Okay. Uh, uh, as well as a sort of pile of records. I can't see all of them, but you can definitely make out Out of Step and also Misfits Walk Among Us, prominently featured beside a turntable. Um, I'd be lying if it didn't say a, like it looked a bit like this person's agent or promo person uh, had like strategically set these records up for them to be a guest on your show, but uh, I'm not sure. Regardless, uh, so there's another <laughs> shout out to an athlete who likes decent music. Okay, we'll reach out to that guy. But yeah. Chris, uh, are you, do you have your phone handy? Uh, yes. Can you go to uh, Instagram? If I had it, yes, I could, but let's see what we can do. Hypothetically. Yeah. Can you uh, type in uh, the Punk Wrestling Connection? <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, yes, the familiar Punk Wrestling Connection Instagram. Yes, okay. okay. Can you click on that second photo? There's one that has, like, Wasted Dream in it. Is that what yeah, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Let's just read off the records that <laughs> Daisuke Sasaki posted a picture of his Instagram. Uh, there's the Death Side Chaos UK split. Yeah, Wasted Dream. Wasted Dream. And what is the other one? I can't really make it out. I can't either. Uh, yeah, but anyway, he's got... He's got a, he's got like a fucking killer collection of just some death side rippers <laughs> yeah. that he just puts up there. You know, he just throws that up there. Um, so, you know, once again, that's just one wrestler. That's just one. <laughs> okay. We could go MVP today on Instagram, post a picture of himself in a plane holding up a copy of My Riot, Roger Moret, former guest's new book. Yes, you which know, I've yet to read still. I need to get I that. I still yeah. got to get a fucking copy as well. There's like a bunch of books that have come out that I really want to read. Yeah. Um, but anyway, right there, another wrestler. <laughs> okay. So Today, our friend, another former guest, Matt Cross, Mad Dog 2020, posted a picture of himself in a judge sweatshirt. <laughs> Fair I can go on, Chris. I can go on forever like this, man. All right. <laughs> I'm I'm very familiar with you, with your with you. Well, I'm not familiar with them as wrestlers, but I'm familiar with you shouting them out as punk fanatics on the show. Um, where are we going from here? We have a couple more emails. One was oh no, you already sent that one to me. So there's one final one here to get into, which relates to your tel- television. Pardon me, your T-shirt uh, that you mentioned last week, which was the uh, feel the darkness, poison idea. Did I call so, Matt Cross Mad Dog? I think you did. I'm Dog 2020. Sorry. <laughs> okay, uh, but it's from Nicholas, and he said he laughed about your story about wearing the Feel the Darkness shirt, uh, and his wife himself 
Oh, sorry. Listening to Damien's story about wearing his Field of Darkness shirt and his wife's comments about how sketchy the shirt looks to people who don't know Poison Idea. This past Christmas, his wife, meaning Nicholas's, asked him for some gift ideas, wrote a list of records I've been sleeping on, picking up also a also put a Field of Darkness t-shirt on the list. I live in a small rural Wisconsin town with about 4,000 people, and my wife is a school teacher, uh, which... He puts in brackets, is important later. My wife is not a deep head and wasn't familiar with the cover art for the record. After searching around online, she came to me and basically forbade me, jokingly, from wearing Feel the Darkness shirt. Is that grounds for divorce, he writes. Of course not. Uh, she was joke, half joking, but did express concern about her students, who I routinely see around town and are about 12 years old, not understanding the context of the shirt. I'm paraphrasing here, but she said something to the effect of pentagrams and upside-down crosses, fine, but the gun to the head is a bit over the top. Uh, it's pretty funny, and I agree. It may be a bit over the top of the kids. I guess I will wait until she retires. Damien, I, uh, your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I recently wore that shirt on a uh, drive with my uh, family to a family member's house in Montreal, and so every rest stop we stopped at, uh, I had to make sure to zip up my jacket and just eat with my jacket <laughs> zipped up. And then today I put it on and accidentally forgot that I was going to be doing the drop-off with my youngest son and wore the shirt to drop him off at school. <laughs> looking, uh, looking like what, I would, what I would say as well is if any of these 12-year-old students are cool, you'll know because they'll be psyched on the shirt. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, but, you're, uh, you're gonna know who the real ones are. Yeah, I I don't know, and that probably speaks to my sensibility. But I don't I understand how it's like a striking and kind of like obviously, uh, whatever, provoking image. But I'm more like if I were to be offended by anything on that, it would be the fact that it's Tiny Tim, <laughs> and Tiny Tim was sick. Like other than that, I don't really you know. For me, it's like ah, today's you know day. I don't. I think most kind of media and like action movie kind of scenarios i think like a gun to a face or a head on a shirt seems pretty innocuous but that's just me yeah i think it's one of those things where we've become conditioned to think it's normal but if you're yeah. not like a, a fan of punk some of the shit that you see on punk covers would be oh yeah yeah i agree with that <laughs> for sure there's no i'm not my sensibilities are not for the norm that's for sure absolutely yeah same here Thank God. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris, should we move on? Yeah, we're good. Email is done. Mailbag. Email's done. Absolutely incredible this week. We have other ones that have been sent through, which we will uh, probably be touching on in future episodes. So we're, there's some stuff we've backshelved. But thank you, especially to the list and the value of the records. Incredible. Oh, uh, that was incredible. That was definitely one, one of my... One of those emails where you get and you're like, man, that's why we do this thing. So we can have fun talks like that. Oh, that's great, yeah. You know, and realize that maybe there is gold in these hills. I mean, we should sell these records now and, and buy houses. <laughs> well, you could. I don't have most of these. I don't have most of those either, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get enough money for a, a down payment on a small condo. <laughs> Perhaps, yes. Uh, I think... Uh, we should move on to today's episode, which is the homie Jasmine White Gulls from uh, the band uh, No Joy and uh, Bad Flirt. 
and uh, yeah, just uh, someone that I've been friends with for quite some time, and someone that is a rare guest for us, unfortunately, because we should have more people from here, uh, from, well, Montreal, because we don't get a chance to talk about that scene enough, and it's a lot of interesting things that kind of came out of there, and it's like a, a lot of different stuff going on there, and it's, uh, yeah, like kind of like arguably at different times the punk capital of Canada as far as, you know, bands' popularity, shows, bands playing from there even. Um, and, of course, I'm talking about Simple Plan when I talk about the Kings. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but have you heard – are you a No Joy fan at all, Chris? Are you, have you heard listening before? Well – for one, I, I listened to the interview, uh, but no, I, I do, I'm not familiar with this band, weirdly enough, but everything being <laughs> discussed in the interview seemed up my alley, so yeah. I definitely need to check them out. I just haven't had time over the last few days since I've listened to that interview. I meant to try and check something out before the this episode tonight. I couldn't. But um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff on with regards to this, because even uh, I didn't know that this group was sort of, you know, quote unquote, as big as they are. And uh, the label that releases their stuff, or at least released whatever No Joy stuff up till 2015, is a label I'm kind of interested in. So it's it's just, uh, yeah, it's somehow not been on my radar, but very much in my wheelhouse, if that makes sense. Well, and also, how about the fact that this is the second sibling band, or the first siblings yeah. that we've ever had on the show, or have had on the show, because we've had Jasmine's sister on before. Yeah. Um, but also... A family tie for me. My yeah, cousin is... Garland was the drummer in No Joy too. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Like, uh, well, one I didn't piece that. Well, that piece, sorry, that you just mentioned, I did. You know, you queue up in the intro or whatever, but I didn't realize the uh, the previous guest was the sister. I that I didn't know until the end when you sort of spilled that one. So I was like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, which I think like, is kind of just bizarre that there's, I mean, I'm sure it's not been the only time ever, but it is kind of unique that there's two siblings that are in very distinct different bands as yes. vocalists that are, you know, and like kind of. I can't think me, of too many siblings that are that, both working professional singers, yeah. that vocals are that far apart. Well, yeah, and just like even just vocals are far apart, but like the even stylistically the music, like. Yeah. And being the because what was it the the previous guest is she's the singer of Arch Enemy right I believe yeah Alyssa yeah so she I mean that's a metal band of course and this No Joy band is not but um just that just that two different worlds let alone because Arch Enemy the band themselves is like from where like Scandinavia I think originally yeah, yeah. and she joined later or something but um so even just that I don't know like I think that's pretty bizarre remarkable you know whatever circumstance that uh i don't know the family produced two <laughs> like you know very talented front people and also it's like not a thing where like you know one sibling does really well and they're like oh yeah i'm gonna bring my my other sibling along like they both made their own way completely independently and to a level where they're both highly respected in their respective fields Yes, that's you've said it a lot better than I was trying to say, but yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I just I know, but like I, 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 and I'm sure there are, and I'm sure someone could write in and tell us, but I, I challenge that. I'm putting that down out as a, you know, laying down that as a gauntlet right now. Can you find 
like a sibling band where two siblings have kind of made it in such diverse sounds. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't know. I'm trying to think. Damnation AD and Battery, it's not that different. <laughs> both are amazing. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love them both, but not as different as No. Well, even what is – didn't – what was the – the breeders. What, what was the two different breeders bands besides obviously and the Pixies and well the Pixies obviously but the uh, I thought there was another one I'm forgetting the name oh, anyway because yeah, you know, she did the amps and then Kelly Deal just did Kelly Deal or Kim Deal just did Kim Deal sorry so yeah right? but even still like that's fairly sonically in the same yeah. post yeah, yeah definitely like it's not yeah we we we're gonna have to search for like a, a wild I think to find yeah that kind of diversity in family as yeah. far as sounds regardless though no i don't unfortunately i don't know this band i'm very curious to hear no joy specifically i i love the uh just sidebar on a shallow note i love the the names of these groups i think bad flirt's a great name and so is no joy so uh i was wondering if you had played with bad flirt when you guys no. were out on the road during that time period at like a canadian music no. thing or something yeah, it was really weird listening. Well, not weird. It was cool, but it was bringing back a lot of things when she was mentioning, uh, like ven- Montreal venues and stuff. But never, at least that I can remember, and I have a pr- like I have a pretty decent memory for that kind of thing. And I don't, uh, like, I can't think of a time that we'd ever cross paths with a uh, bad flirt, certainly, and no joy. I would know, but if if we had, but no, uh, no. The, the the short answer is no, and it's like I think that's that transition from Bad Flirt to No Joy because Bad Flirt were great, you know. Like I remember seeing them and being like, "This band's really, really got so, like they they write songs that were cool, you know, and the, and it, they had a cool like they sounded great and all this stuff." But it, like it just wasn't cool, maybe in the same way that No Joy was. Yeah, so it's amazing how like obviously the songs are different in No Joy too, and a little more kind of like fully formed. But it's also like the vibe is just was just so much more there and is so much more there than it was in Bad Flirt. And it's amazing how far vibe and stuff can also help take something. Well, even you know, it just seems like, and even in her whatever part of the interview where she's talking about her journey, like it Bad Flirt seems like you know kind of like you know dare i say like the first band kind of thing and a lot of people's you know it's a stepping stone or whatever not to to give any shade to bad flirt i i again i don't know these groups but the, so I, I, but that's the thing i'm saying like they weren't like musically that you know like they were musically a lot better like really fucking good i remember that was the thing about that band is like all of us in fucked up you know it's rare that we all agree on something but we all definitely agree when there's a good band playing, it seems like we're all just kind of like, Oh, this stands out. Like this is fucking awesome. Especially a band you didn't know. And I remember us all being like, this band is good. (laughs) Like we all like, you know, we're like, this band's really good. And they were trying like too hard. She kind of says it like they were almost like a, like, like a, a, just like try hardy kind of band a little bit, you know, but they were fucking good. Like the songs were there, but they would like, you know, be on Canadian music industry stuff or they'd be like, you know, like trying to just like, you know, make a break for themselves, which I guess like, you know, is admirable, but it's, it's funny. Cause she kind of says, it's like, when you stop trying, that's when success comes. Yeah. I think what I mean is like, if you're looking on the resource and you look up bad flirt, you know, you can see like there's a promo photo and the promo photo 
what you just described seems like a group that's doing that, right? Yeah. That's what I mean. Like it's not a first band in the sense of like it's poorly, you know, executed. It just seems like it's not been through the ropes enough to kind of, I don't know, be like what you're saying, not try hard, however you want to word yeah. that, whatever, not overzealous or, but, um, whereas I think, you know, in the description, no joy being that it sort of also kind of fell into a, you know, sort of a vibrant scene accidentally almost, but yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know. I kind of agree with that statement too, though, the idea like, well, when you don't care, that's when it sort of happens and whatever. But I mean, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of groups that just, you know, just don't, it doesn't happen, period. But yeah, I would argue that when you're trying, it certainly doesn't happen. No, it's either you you have the mojo or you don't, and uh, unfortunately, that's a very difficult metric to weigh <laughs> as to what to cut your losses on. Is what I would say. Yeah, they're they're. It's funny because their records all look good too. Like these early records. Yeah, like everything again. I'm amazed how much there is. Like you had mentioned this group, No Joy, to me in past because of your. Uh, as cousin, right? Being in the to be in the drum or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I again, I just didn't put two and two together. But well, it's so um, funny because like we knew, like obviously I knew my cousin. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, he I knew that he played in this pop punk band, and then he was like all of a sudden in No Joy, and I'm like, oh fuck, I know these, I know these people from their other band, uh, Bad Flirt. Like it's so, how did my cousin wind up in this? Like obviously it's Montreal, it's punk. It's like how people meet, but I was yeah. just like, this is so weird. Like these two seemingly disparate parts of my life are coming together. <laughs> yeah. I get what you mean. It's like worlds colliding. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, again, I just wish I knew or had more experiences with these, like with these people or bands specifically, because unfortunately I don't, but a lot of what, again, a lot of what she mentioned at points, especially the Montreal centric stuff is very, is very much of a time. And she was talking about specific years when I was like, yeah, that was definitely periods when I was, you know, whatever, going through there every now and again. And I'm shocked I never encountered this band. Because even you guys bring up like AIDS Wolf, which of course I'm familiar with. And I believe you guys played with, right? Oh no, they were yep. just on that mental show. No, 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 no. We, no, we, uh, we brought or was them in. opening for no, that, your. They opened for us at Hidden World Live. There we go. I knew it was one of the two because it was at Transact, but I yeah. couldn't remember. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I feel like I've se- I seen them. When B wore saw the band them. violin shirt and stood in front of Owen Pallet the whole time. <laughs> I believe he still owns that T-shirt and uh, <laughs> wears it frequently. I, um, but yeah, I don't. Uh, I didn't remember which show. But anyway, point being, of an era, we're talking about bands like this, and like yeah, AIDS Wolf was definitely one I remember. Um, but yeah, somehow don't know this this group. Well, you know, Cancer Bats is like named kind of in yes. reference to Wolf, right? Yeah, I remember hearing that as well. Yeah, um, yeah, never understood that no. connection, but yeah, I do recall something about that way back when. I think they were. I think they must have been friends, right? Like that. I would think. I don't know. I believe there's Montreal connections there. I don't know what they are, but Montreal's yeah. a small city. Well, I know of one. Yeah. Anyway, this is no, not for the, <laughs> nothing, nothing for the listeners to feast on. But yeah, I definitely, as being like sort of mutual friends with people, know of connections there. But I don't know what the band's connections are. Is what I mean to say. Yeah. No, nor do I, Chris. Nor do I. Yeah. Um. Should we uh, pick points now? Yeah. Whatever you want to do here. 
What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? There's sorry, just calling it up on my iTunes because I accidentally deleted the actual notes on my desk. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess I I guess I kind of would love to talk about Babes in Toyland and L Seven. Two All bands right, nice. we, we haven't really talked about too much on this show. Um, but also just like, you know, two bands that played huge roles in my musical development at the time and two bands that I think fortunately have both kind of been appreciated as time has gone on, maybe even more so or definitely differently than they were appreciated, I think, at the time by a wide swath of the audience. Yes, yeah, so... I'm with you on that. Both have, uh, I never followed a lot of their career, but there definitely are records by both bands that are very, um, that were very impactful and that I feel very highly about. So of course, you know, for me, L7s, I'm assuming yours might be similar, or maybe the one later, but uh, Bricks Are Heavy was the one that I first heard. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to see that Slash had a piece of this. I didn't realize that. I thought this was a major, which I guess got reissued on London and reprise or whatever. But, um, but yeah, well, and Slash I, was a major at that point. Yeah, that's right. They did have their their hands in. But um, I had an older friend again, like who we were kind of interested in music. This came out in '92, so I remember sort of, I don't know, whatever. Like I, I had a friend, kind of, like a few records this year were very, very like highlight moments. But this was certainly one, and. I still like. I mean, I haven't visited this record in a, in a good while, but um, "Shitlist" is an incredible song. Still, I can know oh, that God, from yeah, memory. It's hard as fuck. Um, "Pretend We're Dead," great radio song. I remember they actually that used to get played on the radio. Yeah, and it, also the video got played a little bit too. That's right. Yeah, well, yeah. You know what's the weirdest thing when you listen to that song? I was playing the other day. Is that "Come on, Come on, Come on, Come on, Come on"? And also, if, like when you hear that song, dan 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 it reminds me of uh, "Bad Religion," um, uh, 20th Century Digital Boy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know, like the, it's obviously yeah. like poppier, I think, in their thing than "Bad Religion's" one. Yeah, but yeah, that song's fucking sick. But that "Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on," yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, it's kind of weird though. Uh, it's kind of I don't know I I don't like was that again, better I attempt at writing a pop song. <laughs> probably who knows because they're a hard a, band right like, yeah it's otherwise. pretty heavy yeah this record's pretty heavy this is a good record i mean i still look at the track list i can't there's a couple like maybe a few songs i don't really recall but by title but the rest of them definitely have moments and yeah it's worth checking out i haven't revisited it again in ages but um you know it looks weirdly pretty decent too for a record that contains like a, a fire motif <laughs> like a flames yeah. motif um, but anyway, yeah, this record and uh, Greg Krowitz like... has got a writing credit on it. Really? What song? On uh, Scrap. Oh, okay. Wow. Where were they from? Are they from LA? Or are they? Yeah, they're an LA band. Okay, I never knew that. I never. The first record's it... on Epitaph. And uh, oh yeah, I do remember that. And it was was mixed and engineered by Butch Vig. Look at that. Yep. Um, so as was you know the '90s, those early '90s years. So he had a pretty good run in that year, in those years. <laughs> when you think, like, never mind, and then this, and there's, yeah. Oh, Pixies, like, he was the guy, Pixies, right? Like, yeah, he, he was yeah. the, uh, he was like the, uh, uh, the 40 
of his day. <laughs> yeah, the Metro Boomin. Yeah. Metro Boomin. He was Metro uh, Boomin. Speaking of yeah, a relative uh, term for 2018, he was the Metro Boomin of yeah 92. Yeah. Which um, thing is Metro Boomin 92? <laughs> uh, but Which uh, yeah, turned out a punk shirt like that. I was just thinking the same thing. I agree. If someone wants to do that, uh, by all means, <laughs> send us some. Send us a design. We'll make it. Yeah, there we go. Um, but yeah, uh, cool record. Uh, on to Babes in Toyland briefly while we're talking about these records. Yes. For me, um, the record of theirs, which again is probably very similar in year. I just, I'm looking it up now in the resource because I don't own it. Yeah, it is. It's the same year. Uh, is the record Fontanelle, which I was very, am still a very big fan of. The track one on that, Bruce Violet, is incredible, still to this day, and uh, yeah, I love this record. Yeah. But uh, again, haven't listened to it in a good while, but I, I really like this record. I, I prefer it uh, a lot more to the L7 record, frankly, But um, and it looks cooler, if that's any other uh, vote of confidence. But yeah, this was the those were the two records from these groups that I knew, and I didn't really follow them no i'm looking at other stuff nothing really peaks with l7 though i knew the what's that lp hungry for stink i remember when that came out but i don't remember andre you remember andre no i do i no no i remember that yeah yeah and the cover of this record's amazing but i don't remember a lot of freak magnet maybe seems familiar but yeah so i knew kind of those two lps and then that uh babes and toyland one but babes and toyland again these groups I never really knew a lot about, like personally, in terms of like where they're from or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what yeah about also you? Uh, Babes in Toyland put out one of my favorite splits of all time, which is the Babes in Toyland uh, Poison Idea split on Insipid Vinyl that came out of Australia. And my God, it's a sick split with Poison Idea doing one of their Gizem covers and Babes in Toyland doing Catatonic. That's really funny, yeah. Because I think this is maybe we brought up last week, but yeah, anyway, yeah, last week, yeah. I uh, I'm amazed that this, that this exists, but um, I'm psyched on it. And I have a copy of it. Quintessential Poison Idea band photo on the cover. Yep the the classic photo. Actually, it's funny. The covers are just band photos on both sides. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a cool vibe, actually. It's pretty like, cool. Seems like a silly vibe, but if you see it, it's cool. And there's you can't, you, frankly, you can't fuck with that poison idea band photo. It's just, it's too much. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I don't have this. I'm jealous that you do. <laughs> the fact that they do, what a, like the idea that this split exists and their input on it, the poison idea input is a Gizem cover. No, it's so fucking sick. Is is a very huge vibe, yeah. That's that's a power move, if ever there was. We didn't talk about this, but maybe we should slip it in now because we've already diverted too much into Poison Idea territory. Um, I did watch the Poison Idea documentary finally. Nice. Which, if you have not uh, seen, um, Chris, I will. Uh, we will come over, come over whenever you want. Yeah. And we will watch the Poison Idea documentary again because it is a fantastic documentary, uh, Legacy of Destruction. Um, the documentary, you know, the the editing and stuff, I little disjointed at times for me. But as far as a movie and the footage and the interviews, it's mandatory viewing to see that stuff. Um, and it's there's some fantastic stuff, but like you can really see in that 
documentary, like, that's, like, the realest band around, you know? And they didn't give a fuck. And there's some footage of them playing, like, huge, like, a no-on-nine rally that Nirvana headlined in Portland that's just fucking ginormous, full of people, and Poison Ideas rocking out on stage. Like, there's some cool-ass footage in that documentary. Nice. Gotta see it. Definitely check that out. If you are a fan of the band, because if you're not, you should really give them another shot, you know? <laughs> yes, for sure. It's worth your time. we got a couple Absolutely. tracks. A couple tracks up there. Yeah. Uh, uh, your point, Chris. All right. Let's uh, jump into sidebar really quick on Babes in Toyland. Uh, I didn't realize there's a Bruce Violet uh, single, which Southern Records released in 92. Uh, and I need to get this. Anyway. How much is uh, it on the cogs? Not much. Very, very reasonable. All right. Highest is twenty under 20, and then we're talking like maybe $5 record. This is going to be one where I look to dig now. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah. Um, it happens. They come up. Like, look at me. I'm living proof. <laughs> uh, as far as points, though, sorry to uh, to jog around here. Um, <laughs> the one thing... I laughed about was the the because you were talking sort of bonding over the fact that you you both had your sort of non your sort of like I guess now in hindsight not real zines that you were trying to yeah. do interviews to get into shows for I think your intention I'm assuming was to actually do it and it just never came to be but yes um, yeah I was I was hoping to one day do it but then it's when you like sit down with that dictaphone and you start trying to transcribe it. Oh, worst. Yeah. It's like, especially it's when you're like 13, you're like, I'm never going to do this. Yeah. Um, I yeah. wonder, I, when I do a zine interview, I'm like, there's a 50% chance this thing is never coming out. <laughs> like, and I'm not talking about like, you know, a well-established scene. I'm talking about like when someone's like, yeah, I'm just starting a fan scene. Do you want to do an interview for it? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I'm like, there's like a 50% chance this thing never sees the light of day. <laughs> uh, but yeah so i was amused by that um nothing really to say other than that i just found that very funny and bonded over that um trying to think here of a, of a really good i have a point to sort of like jokingly talk about but i don't know how much we could flog it I'm trying to find one that's got more substance really quickly here uh i don't really i've never been a fan of this band but i thought her story about I don't know what she's describing, like buying things off of Blink, and yet the members had all these picks, and she was queuing into records off of the band members' picks. Yeah, Blink's picks. It's almost like a fan club kind of vibe or whatever, but um, I I think that's kind of neat. And the fact that they were actually, again, these records in hindsight aren't you know the deepest of, of things, but Get Up Kids, Jimmy World, and, and Fugazi are all kind of not what I would have expected. Maybe certainly not Fugazi, but... You know, like, it just, I don't know. For the era that she's speaking of, I'm kind of shocked that these were ones that they were putting out there. Yeah, like, I, I think, once again, like, not as much Fugazi, but certainly, you know, like, Jimmy World, like, you know, now it seems obvious. But at the time, like, they're part of the reason now it seems obvious. Yeah, agreed. Um, and there were, uh, you know, Get Up Kids as well. Like, that's a band that wasn't, like, kicking in, like the mainstream's door at that point. Like it took kind of bands like Blink-22 kind of putting them on to give them that moment where they were. Or yeah. 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 Just, I didn't realize, like, I don't know. I just, I always think that's kind of interesting when you see group, big groups do that. I wasn't aware of any, I don't know. 
the Blink that I, I've never been a Blink fan, so like I've never paid too much attention. But I do think that's kind of interesting. I never, uh, I just wasn't aware that there was any whatever any uh, fan club thing like that that they would actually shout out other groups. And actually, makes me think nowadays, like, does that really happen? You know, in that same context, much is that fan club thing like kind of toast now? That idea of uh, yeah, like maybe the fan club thing is toast, but like you still have like artists like shouting out their favorite artists oh, yeah. on Twitter and social media yeah. now, right? That's true. It's just evolved. Yeah, it's more uh, real time rather than however you want to put this. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you want, I'll take the next point. Yeah, go give her. Uh, um, I think I want to talk about that smell scene. All uh, right, because I think that is. It, you know, like we kind of talk about it, like what a cool place that was, what a cool time that would have been uh, to be down there. We got to play the smell, but it was a little bit later on when those bands were kind of already popping. But you know, like uh, a scene to kind of produce that kind of diversity of sounds is always fascinating to me because scenes tend to be built around you know similarities, but yet that scene, it's not not a lot of it's you know very similar from one band to the other. Yeah, like we had first been, uh, someone had contacted us with regards to, was it a GoFundMe or something? It was like to save the smell. Yeah, save I believe that. I'm not sure if that campaign is still going or not. I'm trying to look it up now as Maybe we're sort of it. discussing it. And they very well may have, but, uh, well, it seems to be going, yeah. So I didn't have a lot of, uh, awareness of this. I had never been, still never been, but, um so only from you talking about it initially and then knowing some bands again she talks a little bit i wasn't aware of things seemingly like uh like beach house and stuff like that seem also maybe not be like rooted rooted in there but she's discussing at least in the interview there was some kind of mention of that or um maybe i'm off on that i, don't well, I guess it's um, not saved at all sorry no it's done no, we're not looking at that. No, it's still going, but I think they're trying to raise $1.4 million. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm looking up an entry here on, on Wiki. But um, anyway, yeah, so I don't know a lot about it. Obviously, No Age I'm familiar with. Um, I don't know a lot of these other groups, but uh, so you're saying the diversity in, in well, sound. Well, Miko doesn't sound like No Age, who certainly don't sound like Abe Vigoda, who you know don't sound like Best Coast at all. You know, yeah. and the, it's, it's like everyone was doing something different. Like their take on independent music, DIY music was, yeah. was different. And, you know, and I guess that's probably true with Toronto. Even when I think about it, it's around the same time. Like, you know, none of us sounded the same, but it just seems like none of us were, you know, going as out there in the sort of DIY punk scene as bands there were. <laughs> well, there's another way from an outsider I could <laughs> I could cue that up, which is that I would say I don't know if these groups were either working together, so to speak, but uh, it just does not or didn't seem that way <laughs> for for many years in Toronto, anyway. <laughs> well, some bands so, it did. Some bands, well, some bands did, but I, what I mean is, uh, you know, there was no. I agree with you in that there were some very important groups in the quote unquote like contemporary Toronto of the last whatever twenty years, let's say, yeah. um, and some and like some I don't know some records I think are really strong and like some of my favorite records, but 
if I think of something like, say, the hidden cameras, or I think of something like, well, obviously your records, or I don't know, like as far as hardcore punk, there's good stuff, like obviously really good stuff based on what the show is. But then there's all, all their, you know, Dave Martin's own The Deadly Snakes, which cannot not be mentioned. Um, yes. But yeah, so there's there's been some big ones that sonically are not in league with one another, but it's never um, for me maybe being not hugely like immersed in it like in terms of like being uh from it toronto that is but it's never seemed to be in unison so to speak up until later like i would say the last i don't know five six years it seems to have been or actually maybe i shouldn't say that because you're even judging by that comp you shouted out earlier the the fucked up comp so maybe yeah the last eight years or so it seems to have gotten a lot more i don't know that people are not doing their own thing separate it seems to be sort of a uh what's the word i'm looking for a united scene yeah well i wouldn't even go that far but i would say certainly (laughs) well uh, there you go those are your words i don't know how i would phrase it but not that i know um, Chris, I'm afraid this is going to be our last point this evening because right. Camden has just walked ah, into the recording. Special guest. It's a little late at night to break that fourth wall right now, so I have to put him back to bed. Uh, right. How do they get in touch with us here, Chris? All right. Turn out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week. Oh, and next week on the show, we'll be talking Jesse Michaels from Operation Ivy. How nuts is that? All right. Bye, everyone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.